You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, it is time for the Locked On Pacers player previews. We will do every single player on the roster in some form before the season starts because we want to talk about all the players. Um, And we're going to start today with a new guy because it's fun. But before we can get started, we have to introduce ourselves. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East, with the West Indianapolis Community News and over at 8.9 Seconds. And on the other line, to do the first one with me, Adam Friedman of Indy Cornrows. Adam, how are you? I'm pretty good. As our audience might hear, I am not near a great microphone, not a terrible one, but I'm kind of using an internal mic on my headphones. I'm in a remote location in Indiana, um, but I, of course, want to be on the podcast to Tyreek because I think he's the most intriguing, at least of the free agents the Pacers signed because he's obviously the highest ceiling of all of them. Oh, by, by a lot. Um, I want to hey, say that. Hey, a- hey, don't, don't doubt Kyle Quinn, man. He could keep could just come out of nowhere. I love Kyle Quinn, and the guests are going to have Kyle Quinn's going to be awesome. But that's a joke. Kyle Quinn's ceiling is like six points correct. Uh, <laughs> so Tyreek comes to Indiana. Oh, we gave it away. Tyreek Evans is the subject of the first player preview, um, and Tyreek comes from Memphis in a year where I think it was. Man, I mean, my my memory of him is kind of sh- bad because he spent his first four years in Sacramento, which I don't think I've ever outside of when they play like a really good team, watch the Kings like in depth. Um, so I didn't know a lot about him at first. Then he went to the Pelicans and I kind of watched him because they were fun. Um, but he wasn't great his first years. And then when he was finally shooting really well, he got hurt. Um, so last year was the first year that I actually really watched him because I like Mike Conley and I wanted to watch the Grizzlies and then he got hurt, but I kept watching them because Tyreek was awesome uh, and I and I would attribute this to the same as his rookie year, where like when he has lead ball handling duties, he can really take over games. Uh, and we saw that in Memphis last year when he played point guard. Uh, what did you? Oh, you want to go over his stats, or do you want to talk about his season last year first? Um, let's do do his top line real quick. His top line. Uh, okay, nineteen point four points per game. Uh, absurdly good. Five point one rebounds. Pretty underrated rebounder, especially for a guard. Five point two assists. Um, not really anything impressive on the defensive end at all. 1.1 steals, but almost no blocks, a lot of turnovers. Um, but that's not what he's here to do. He's a pretty good perimeter defender, but again, that doesn't matter. But what that shows is he really did everything for Memphis. Yeah, 40% three-point shooting, too, is, the I think, the, the biggest yes. number of him last year. Because in terms of amount of shots, he's probably not going to get 15 a game this year just because he's probably off the bench, and he's going to be sharing with – Oladipo and Turner, but I think the 40% from three is just like a huge thing because it's just kind of steady improvement from, um, you know, in 16, 17, he was hurt and he played for different teams. So his performance was like 35%, but it was really, look at his career. He kind of in 15, 16, got it kind of up to about 39%. Again, he played 25 games. He really hadn't put it together for more than like 25, 30 games of a third high 33 point percentage. And he really did it last year, which is impressive. And then also the fact that he was, one of the better, like I think his net rating was like a barely positive on a team that won like 20 games is impressive. Uh Um, Uh But I think I mean with Tyree too, is like you said, I've watched him sporadically. I mean, he's been out in the West, so he Pacers play him twice a year. He's kind of, unless he's on a good team, it's hard to kind of follow. I do remember though, I I watched him in college a lot because he was on a pretty good Memphis team right after D Rose. 
don't think they made it very far in the tournament, but I do know that was sort of Coach Cal's last year. I remember he had a pretty good tournament run. If it wasn't, I think they made it either the Sweet 16 or he had a pretty good first game in the tournament. And that's what I remember him because he was coming out of college. There was sort of some comps in being sort of a Derrick Rose type player, obviously because of the Memphis thing and all that stuff. And so he was sort of considered like, I think he was the best guard. It's just nine coming out. I don't remember who else. He got drafted fourth that year. He was the first, but that was the same year that Steph Curry's draft. So obviously, and James he was Hardy, the obviously, guard taken that year behind James Harden. Yeah, yeah. But I, at the time, he was thought he could have been the best guard in that draft. Um, of course, now you look back at that draft. I mean, there's lots of good players in that draft in terms of Harden, DeRozan, Curry, Drew Holiday. I mean, you got a Jeff Teague's in that draft. Collison's even in that draft. So that's kind of interesting too. Um, but he kind of had this career where he had a pretty good kind of start to his career in Sacramento. Um, you weren't sure whether he was kind of a good stats, bad team player. Then he finally got out of the the wasteland of the Kings to go to New Orleans, where he really couldn't stay healthy except for basically like his first two seasons. And those weren't really as right when Davis sort of came along before he sort of peaked. And then he finally last year was healthy in relative terms to like 50 games. It's not a ton, but it's better than before with putting together the 20 point almost a game stats, which sort of like probably, it probably was his best season of his career last year, I would say. Oh, uh, that or his rookie year, but probably, well, I guess relative to expectations. Um, but last year was definitely his best year. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he, In terms of where he came from, too, he was sort of like – he was probably on the outs as, a, as an NBA role player at some point. I mean, considering his injury history and his points per game just kept dropping off, it seemed like. Um, so, I mean, last year had the year he had, it sort of like he reestablished himself as like, okay, I'm one of, I could be a really good bench player in this league if not a borderline starter. Yeah, he would have uh, probably won sixth man of the year if A, Memphis was good, and B, Memphis didn't get so hurt that he had to start so many times. Um, but yeah, like you talked about a second ago, the three-point shooting was a big thing to come around for him. That was his third year in a row at 36% or better. It was his first season hitting 100 three-pointers, which is a stupid arbitrary cutoff, but I mean, he's finally getting him to fall in the basket, which is important. Um, and he just, you know, what uh, Kalen wrote about recently and, and has talked about a bunch is like, He's really good at hitting him off the dribble, which is absolutely huge for the Pacers because, you know, outside of of Vic, no one's really awesome at creating their own shot like that. And that's just another option for them in those situations. So, um, you know, I think that's something big that he can bring over. Uh, And not only have we, you know, we we can't even say we saw that before the last season because he wasn't that great of a three-point shooter before the last three seasons. Uh, His his best season before 2015-16 was 33.8%. So he was not a good three-point shooter until recently, but he's really worked on it. And I think that's going to be huge for him is that he can play inside out and he can play off the dribble. Yeah, and I think also he reinvented himself. I mean, he he went from kind of coming out as a shooting guard, point guard prototype, then played small forward, New Orleans slash shooting guard for a couple of years, and then became a point guard last year. I mean, he stepped, he's kind of filled in where he was needed, and that kind of versatility will be useful to the Pacers, who he's probably not going to get a ton of he starts or gets any kind of, you know, starter Mintz is not going to be a shooting guard because Old Depot's there, but he can sub in for Bojan or sub in for Collison or Corey Joseph, whoever is kind of in those positions, and that's what's going to make him probably even more valuable. And he has the size. I mean, he's he's only he's six six two twenty, and for people, I think Bojan is like six eight two ten two fifteen. He's not, or maybe he's a little, maybe he's two twenty two thirty. I'm trying to remember. But Bojan's about six eight, so he's not that much smaller. He's a little more agile than Bojan in terms of the defensive end. So you know, I think Keith Bojan on the court is his. 40% three-point shooting percentage, but if Tyreek can do the same thing, I'm not. Sure. I think he might be able to replace Bogan at some point kind of thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about him getting into the starting lineup later. I, you know what? We can do it now. Uh, I had something I wanted to say, and it kind of bleeds into what you just said anyway about him potentially starting. So 
we can talk about that. Um, yeah, you talked about his positions, you know, how he's kind of weaved, weaved around. Uh, his first four seasons, he played primarily shooting guard. Then in New Orleans, he was a small forward two of those seasons. And then last year, he had played over a quarter of his minutes at point guard too. Um, so, you, you know, like you said, you've seen him play a little bit of everywhere, including in New Orleans one year. 5% of his minutes at the power forward. I hope we don't see a lot of that. But, um, you know, he can play any of the guard spots, you know, where they're more perimeter-oriented on both ends of the floor. Um, and I think that that's really important. And like you said, um, maybe he could become a starter at some point in the season. I think if there's an injury to Bojan or Collison, their immediate backup won't replace them. I think Tyreek just starts in their place. Um, like, like you won't see McDermott or Kojo start, you know, if that injury happens, I think you'll just see Tyreek step into that place. Um, but I really think it's valuable off the bench because you can just insert him into any lineup at any of those three positions and he'll be good. So I don't know about the point guard spot. I, I think there's, there's just so much value in him being at the six as a six man off the bench that if Collison is hurt, you're still better off with Joseph. I think if Boeing gets hurt, I think for sure he steps. And I think he's much, much better chance to be a starter over, over Doug McDermott than Corey Joseph. I'm just... You know, at the end of the day, right, it doesn't really matter if he starts or not, whether he ends games. And I think right. he could be ending games by, I mean, the first quarter of the season. I mean, once they figure stuff out, it depends kind of how Collison comes out of the gate, come the same way last year with his off three point percentage and his killing teams like that. And if Joseph is a little better than Moisture, he, those guys could be closing games. But I think very soon, Joseph could, or Harry Evans could be the closer in games, which is really what kind of matters. And we saw with Lance a little bit, they did that sometimes when it really mattered. They put Lance as a, as a kind of a closer. And it seems like they like kind of that ability to go three guards at times. I mean, because you have the ability of Oladipo is a really defensive player, can pretty much guard anybody in the small forwards to point guard positions. And if you have Cordes, but they're two, you can kind of do the same thing. It allows you the ability to play a guy like Tyreek, who's a little bit out of position, but such a good offensive player that it's worth playing. Yeah, and I'm glad you said the three guard thing with Lance, because I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I should have texted you, um, but I feel like, when Lance closed the game, they always had Kojo as the point guard, and then it was like Collison Bojan usually um, for for the reasons that, you know, those were the guys that fit. And I think because of that, you'll see Tyreek in those three-guard lineups in the same way when he fills Lance role. I think he'll be out there as the three more than uh, the one and to close games. I, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's going to be important because, you know, I think you have Corey Joseph, Tyreek, and Vic out there as your, as your three guards. Like, that's a crazy good perimeter defensive group. Yeah, and I think – so I would say the reason Stevenson started with or ended with Kojo in games would because his skill sets or Stevenson at the time and even Tyreek's because they're more dominant ball handlers kind of negate Collison. So what Collison makes him so effective is when he's on the court is he has the ball in his hands. He doesn't turn over the ball. He can be he is a really good point guard in that sense. Where in where if you don't have the ball in his hands, he's not as valuable. I know he's a good point shooter, but he's not like he wasn't like a super valuable corner three shooter just because of his size. Where Joseph can is can be your point guard per se, but also play off the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. That's Joseph is, you know, really good at that. So, I mean, I agree with you. I, I'm really intrigued by a lineup with Turner, Thad, Tyreek, Oladipo, and Cordes because the sense that that could be a future for this team as the starting five someday. And the fact that that seems like um, in terms of the most bang for your buck on both ends of the floor, kind of scary because you've got two really good defenders at top with, at the guard position. You've got Turner, who could be one of the best defending centers in the league. Thad, who is still a very solid defender. Um, obviously, depending on who the power who uh, the power forward is, but I, I just am intrigued by that lineup, especially if you look at the East, the kind of the best teams in the East. There are only a few times where I feel like that lineup might get screwed, and it's really probably against Boston and maybe Philly. I think they can it handles its own against Toronto, really, 
Um, probably Milwaukee, Washington, Detroit, kind of the other teams that I compete with. I just so that's why it could work. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know we've we've really been beating this drum for the last however many minutes of this conversation. But it's so important that you can play all those positions and have you be able to match up with the teams that are you know at your level or above you in your conference. I mean, that's what makes him such a valuable addition. Is not only does he add a scoring element that they didn't have last year, but off the dribble shooting we talked about. And we'll talk about his fit more with Vic. I want to at least uh, in a minute, but he is one of the, probably the best five, maybe not the best five defenders on the team, but he's one of the better perimeter defenders on the team. He's way better than Collison is um, at it. And that's why I think he fits in that three guard group really well. Um, And I know that like, you know, Boyan gives you some element of post defense and maybe that's what you want, but like it's matchup dependent, right? That's what Nate McMillan always does closing games. So I don't think I'll set up Tyreek to fail or anything like that. And I think that's going to make him so useful in any pinch. Yeah, so when they, they play Boston, do you think – would you rather have the starters out there or have a Corey Joseph, Oladipo, Evans, Thad, Turner lineup? Because let's say they're going against Kyrie, Tatum, Brown, Hayward. And, yeah, if I'm and assuming – yeah, I agree that that's the five that they would be closing with. Yeah, I think you have to have Thad um, – I think you have to go with the group that we're talking about with Tyree Kojo because – or hmm, maybe you stick uh, Boyan in there to guard Jalen Brown because he's not the greatest – three-point shooter and perimeter guy. I do feel like you need a lot of defense if you're going to go against that Boston lineup. You absolutely do. You have enough of all Oladipo's offense to sort of... I know, but do you feel like Tyreek guarding in the post on one of those guys would work? You know, like if any of them go back down on him in the post that we're there and the Pacers are in trouble. So, right, I mean, you would probably try to... Is Hayward... I I haven't seen Hayward's only. Is Hayward... I don't know if Hayward's a good enough post up kind of player to destroy Evan. I think oh, he could do it. Oh, he can absolutely do it. I feel like you think? okay. I haven't I it's been I've <laughs> first of all I haven't watched Hayward in that two years going on. So it's, <laughs> it's sort of like fuzzy memory of how good he was and he thought that he was really good. Um I I guess but the problem is if you put Bolin out there, then you sort of have somebody that can hide on defense, right? They can just I mean I guess they're all they're all good defensive players, but assuming Hayward maybe isn't athletically as he was two years ago because of his ankle and it isn't as fast they're probably going to hide him on somebody, and that's sort of they would do that if they put Bowen out there because Bowen's like is very kind of stationary and kind of he doesn't make Hayward work. Where if he has to, if Hayward has to guard Evans or Depot, he has to work. Even if he's guarding Joseph, he has to kind of work more than he would if he had to guard Bowen. I don't know. I feel like Bowen's cutting and floor spacing gets the job done there. Maybe I, I feel like the thing with Hayward is you want to make him move. You want to like put the make him move on it like uh, with the guy the ball's hand. Like you want. You want to get him isolated, basically one on one, to kind of beat him. I think he's he's beatable that way. I'm not sure he's beatable on just all the, like the random cutting and screen. I he's think you try player. to. I think you try to go with Tatum, but they'll probably they would probably throw Tatum on that. But we're going way down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, with Tatum, I, I mean, the thing is, we don't know what he's going to be. He could be he's going to be a better player again. Right. And so it's oh, he will around. And Tatum's and Tatum's got the length that just is scary. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the lineup though. Like when they that Boston could probably be the best team in the East if maybe Toronto will be but in that that scare that worries me that they don't quite have enough to match up unless you know it really comes down to like is old depot just that much better than everybody else on the court which last year he was better than most of the guys on the court that it may not matter like it's only going to be the best player on the court and that could kind of flip the whole thing right and and you know tyreek does help make that closer if he is the guy that we think he could be fit wise with vic um, you know, just having that extra level of perimeter defense takes some pressure off of him and takes pressure off of him offensively. It lets him work harder when he needs to work harder. And we saw him at the clutch shots last year. But I think their fit is another, as Caitlin just wrote about, also very good, uh, another very important part of the Tyreek signing. 
Yeah, and it also, like you said, it allows you also to hide all the defensive times on the defensive end, which is going to be important yes. in a game saving. Very game. important. Because as much as Oladipo seemed like he had he was an energizer bunny last year, he does need some some breathers at some point. Oh, all the time, and and the, the you know it's very challenging, and I understand why it's hard to give Vic the breathers when he like last year when he was the do it all guy, and they tried it at the beginning of the fourth quarter of that Cavs game, and poof, there's your season. But I mean, I think with with. With Tyreek now, you'll have more chances. You know, they tried to play him with Kojo a lot at the end to give him that opportunity on D. But now I think with Tyreek, you know, he can just really go at it on offense. I think the pick and roll could be even more deadly down the end of the games if that's even possible. Um, And I think Tyreek adds an extra level of spacing on offense uh, in terms of just being a guy who can take you up the dribble. You know, even without a shooting, like, you have to close out harder on him. We talked about that with Ben Simmons a lot. If when we were previewing a potential 76ers series, we're like, if you lay off of him too far, he'll just dribble right past you because he's so quick with the ball. So, you know, that let take some pressure off Vic in terms of work on offense, too. I think that that is just massive for him. Yeah. So, am I crazy to think that, though, that that lineup can beat basically anybody else in the East? I mean, I think it's better than Philadelphia. I think so. Philadelphia would probably, what, it's going to be Simmons, Reddick, Covington, the three spots. Um, you can basic. I think you can hide one of those guys on Reddick in a little bit in a sense because he's just not you know you probably put Evans on Simmons and you I think you put Kojo on Reddick and just say don't let him shoot. I I thought you might put Vic on him. I guess Vic did get burned that first game he played yeah. against him. So I don't know. Um because Vic is much better when he can just Tyreek definitely on Simmons for the size reasons and then But like right they I feel like that lineup could beat the the Philly lineup not easily but as as good as the Philly lineup at least. Yeah, they could be close with them. I mean, Embiid is just so much better. Or not so much better. Embiid's just better than Turner, so you have to make up for it everywhere else. But I don't know. But last year he wasn't better than Turner in the, in the three games they played. Not, that was it. Maybe the third one, but the first yeah, one he definitely the wasn't. The first one Turner didn't play or he didn't just start. Did. He didn't but start, Turner right? Didn't turn him off the bench, right? off the bench and block him? Yeah, but he didn't start in that one, right? He didn't play amazing. I thought in the second game, I thought for sure Turner, but that was on a back-to-back. I think beats first back-to-back game. Yeah, so, it, yeah. This is again, not, not relevant to Tyreek. <laughs> yes, but then so then let's keep going down. So Toronto, um, the three are going to be Kawhi. Are they going to play OG at the shooting guard, and then no, Danny Green, Lowry. Danny Green, play Danny Green. Yeah. So I mean, you know, Kawhi, Danny Green, and Lowry. I think they're as good if not better than those. That's three a guys. crazy good group. But so I guess it depends where Kyle Lowry falls. I think in terms of matching up there as good as, as that kind of three, two, because I think, you know, Green is up there in H2. You just don't have the drop-off. That's also the kind of the problem. I think Green team. is the – if you count those guys as a six-man group, you know, Green and Kojo are close in impact, but I think Kawhi Lowry is more impactful than Vic Tyreek. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I'm iffy on that. I just, I just don't, I, I, I'm I, really I don't in on the, on the Raptors. <laughs> I'm, I'm just – just every year I get sucked into Kyle Lowry and every year <laughs> – so I, I just can't he's do it. He's good every year. What are you talking about? But in the playoffs, he always freaking stinks. His three points in the playoffs was like in the playoffs, like the last two years. It's just no, but it's so yeah. You're gonna blame on DeRozan now that you're gonna do. DeRozan is bad in the playoffs. I have no qualms saying that. But I forget what the stat was last year. But like you look at like you play so many playoff games, basically your stream percentage become what your career are close to it. But like Colorado's three points was like five percent off his career average, and that's it's just. I mean, it might have changed slightly this year, this year's playoff run, but I thought that was that was him who had this like this weirdly weird drop three points that's going to come when it came. Lowry to the shot forty five percent from three in the playoffs this year. But what's his career in the playoffs? You have it uh, thirty four. And what's his career? Who normally in the playoffs? Uh, thirty seven. 
it was normal career thirteen. So he definitely got that up. I think it was thirty two coming into the this year's playoffs. So yeah, maybe shot up amazing in the playoffs this year. He was very good. This yeah, year. so maybe maybe he'll he'll be better. But I just I just I don't know. It's, I think I, he had one bad playoffs and got ripped for it, and he should have in fourteen fifteen. And they got swept by the yeah, Wizards. But I think ones. he's been pretty solid every year since. So I would say the year they played the Pacers, he wasn't very good. It was DeRozan was really good that year. DeRozan was <laughs> that was DeRozan's only good playoff series ever. <laughs> I know, but I think like Lowry, I remember in the Pacers game went like like oh for something from three, like a terrible number from three. I mean, he was. I do remember that actually. That was the game that Solomon Hill had the game winning three opportunity and took like seventeen minutes yeah. to to shoot. So, but, so then let's sorry. <laughs> let's keep going on the list. I just I think this is kind of important to do. So Milwaukee, it's uh going to be Bledsoe, Milton, Giannis the three or Thon or yeah, Bledsoe and Brogdon and Middleton. But Giannis is basically a perimeter player too. Yeah. So, so then and then you go to Wizards. You're going to get Wall, Porter, and Beal. You know Detroit. You're going to get um, Jackson. <laughs> Why are they Don- even get them out of this discussion? Well, because they're the they're the solid team be probably in the playoff race. I think it's worth. That's fair. Yeah, they'll be in it. Same with Miami. But if they start Kennard, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see. Luke Kennard and Gr three are. I think I was going to start, but that's going to be the three. So, I guess the one of all those teams that they're. I think this lineup is as good or not better than everyone, but really Boston is the one that scares me the most in terms of. I don't think the Pacers have to have the best player or don't have two of the best three players. Times. Yeah, that, that I think a lot of the good teams in the East have just scary iterations, but I think the Pacers bench drill will beat him up, and that's why I like Tyreek so much because of his way he can impact the game off the bench, playing multiple positions, doing stuff uh, that Vic can't, stuff like that. So, what stuff can he do? You think that Vic can't? I mean, just, I'm just what's uh, like in bench. I mean, like in bench scenarios. Oh, gotcha. Like you mean? I mean, that's going to be his biggest value, right? He's, he's going to play the whole able. game. Sorry, he's I said that poorly. It's well. That's the big advice. It's going to prevent the drop off off the bench, and there's not going to be any. There's going to be right. a drop, but not as as steep as it was. And if he is as good as he was last year, it allows you to play like thirty minutes a game, which is always valuable because you yes. in less minutes, he'll be more rested for the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And then you don't have to sit him at the beginning of the fourth quarter against the Cavs. <laughs> I think the interesting thing with him too will be, and the whole East will be how how the rotations shake out, and the rest of the good teams, and how deep those teams are, because the Pacers are. On paper, right, eight or nine deep, and I—I I mean, I think all the other teams all think they're probably eight or nine deep too. But injuries, stuff like that, kind of affect that. And if that could kind of be a difference too, the Pacers can keep basically a nine-man rotation of trusted guys out there versus like you know, Keishon Lewis, your tenth guy, and Oquan or something like that. But nine trusted players, and Tyreek is sort of like maybe the best six man among them. That's that's huge. Yeah, and I, you know, I feel like—I mean, this could be ridiculous. Like, if you roll out in a lineup of Tyreek Evans, Corey Joseph, Doug McDermott, Sabonis, and O'Quinn, I guess, uh, that's like a 30-win starting lineup, isn't it? I mean, is that that's better what, than Memphis lineup last year when you have all the guys hurt? So how many games did Gasol play last year? I got to look it up again. Uh, 70-something. Okay, so you're thinking the lineup last year was, I mean – Tyre, I can't remember if it was live last year, be honest, but it was Tyre <laughs> and Gasol were the top two, right? That's the top two. No, no, it was uh, – they had um, they had um, Jermichael Green in it, and they had um, Dylan Brooks in there, and the point guard or small forwards were Tyreek started, and the other position was either like Andrew Harrison or Chandler Parsons. So is that lineup better than that men's lineup last year? Close, <laughs> right? It's close. close. I mean, it's, I think Gasol's a better player than anybody 
but in terms he is. Of, it's close. But they it's a deeper like Andrew five. Harrison is a terrible player. Yeah, I mean, there's not as many weaknesses in the starting five, right? So, and then what they won they won 22 last year, so that's where you're looking at, right? I think that's, the gap between Kojo and Andrew Harrison is huge, but yeah, I think that's an okay group, and then. Sorry, we, we got off topic again. The, the you know the idea of Tyreek spearheading that group is intriguing to me and could you know keep them in the game when their bench comes in. Okay, so this was their starting five. I think it was Dylan Brooks. Yep. Gasol. Got him. Harrison, Jermichael Green, and Evans. I got it right. All right. Yeah. So that I mean I think let's see Dylan Brooks is not a good NBA player. Not yet. <laughs> it's an okay one. Not yet. I guess he's young. Um, Gasol was thirty three years old. Now it's a big thing. Harrison, not going to be a player. And Jermichael Green, I guess, it's an okay one. So, I guess, I don't know. I'm not sure that the team, that lineup wins 30 games, but probably is 25 win range, which is really good for a bench. Yeah, least. it's a good bench group. Because last year's bench team would have won, what, 10 games? 10, <laughs> maybe. I mean, you got Leaf, Wilkins, Stintley, yeah. Yeah, we haven't talked to – I mean, we'll talk about the player previews, but, like, if, if somehow Leaf turned into a quality player, that they're, they're definitely 10 deep in it for sure. Oh, he changes every his floor spacing changes everything. He's not going to be a quality player, but anyway, you don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm very don't. confident, but I don't know. Okay, I have, I have a bold prediction. I think Tarek Evans wins Sixth Man of the Year. I no, I do. I do definitely think that that could happen. Um, you know, he's always going to be competing against Lou Williams. I think every year Lou Williams is a good chance. And uh, same with same with um. Oh my gosh, Iguodala. I I wanted to say Andre because I saw like his ad is just at Andre on Twitter. I was like, Andre, yeah. Um, and Iguodala, I think you're always chasing those guys. But I think he has a great chance. I think he is a, the perfect fit for it right now. I think the question is, you know, if there's no injuries, because if he, he could go over 41 starts if someone gets hurt. But does that not matter? Or is that – how many games does Iguodala start one don't start, you, you can't start half your games. Oh. If you play 82 bad. and you have 41 starts, you're ineligible. But if you have 40 starts, you are eligible. That's so stupid. I think it's. I mean, it's about. That's quiet. the only thing that could hold him back from winning is if he gets too many starts. And I, I think it's he'll close games most of the time. To be honest, I agree. I mean, I think. I mean, even if it's whether you just you just bench a plunker completely and play him or Oladipo plunker, I think he'll start closing, which will give him the minutes to definitely be able to win six man of the year. Like he'll be getting thirty minutes a game, maybe or close to it. You could add that to his mantle with his uh, rookie of the year award. Yeah, he'll, I mean, those are all the little tiny awards. I guess it's good to have those kind of awards. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess. I mean, from his career, he probably just wants to get back to the level where he could be like a starting point, starting something on a team, right? That's sort of his goal, I guess. I mean, he's a starter level player. Yeah, he probably put that last year, but I'm not. Twenty nine is good, a free agent next year with teams having money. I think he'll get a good deal. But here's what I mean: starter on a playoff team. I don't know if he's quite that yet. He's not quite that. I don't think. But he, I mean, he got earned it this year in Indiana. I mean, he was a great year. He, he could be a starter. He could absolutely year. do it. Lots, lots of roster turnover. There'll be lots of empty spots next year. They'll be trying to fill with as little cash as possible. So do you have any cool. other uh, Terry stuff you want to touch on? Um, should we do predictions for what we think we'll do this year in terms of points and stuff like that? Oh, yes. I forgot we did that last year. That is fun. Um, yeah, so we're just going to hit the big three stats unless it's a player like Turner or Vic who gets a lot of steals and blocks that it's actually worth talking about. And maybe percentages for those guys too. We don't have to. But. Right. Well, we can do shooting percentages for Tyreek. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to play the 31 minutes a game he played last year. So I'm going to predict a points drop off from him. Uh, I'll probably say like 15 and a half or 16 points a game, um, in about 26 or 25 minutes. 
uh, to go along with about three and a half assists and three and a half rebounds. All right, that's fair. I think I think it's more like in the fourteen range. Yeah, I, I feel like it might be a little high on the points. That's but the so again. It just depends on how the shots are distributed, whether Old Depot takes more or Turner takes more. Um, I definitely think his stats are going to come out of Bojan at some point. I mean, that's just going to be a natural thing. Bojan might get down to 10 points a game instead of – and what did Lance average? Eight last year? What, eight points? Nine points, yeah. So that's, he'll, get, he'll get all those stats up. I mean, I'm going to try and turn – I mean, they could be a better offensive team so that could add some extra points you could add on to. But in terms of where he'll get his, his stats from, I think he's probably a 14-point-a-game – I'd say probably, I mean, he'll come off the bench. He'll be that bench unit, which will have an opportunity to probably get a decent amount of rebounds because they'll be playing some weird lineups depending on who they play at small four, if they play Leaf or not. Um, let's go like 14, four, and four. I like four, that. I think. I Good like kind that. of stat line. And I think it puts up, I think it costs a 40% for three again. Yeah, guess. I think I'm, I think I'm too high on the points because I don't think he can get as many shots as I just said, but I already said it. So, I'll keep so yeah, let's say he absorbs, absorbs all 9.2 of Lance's points, right? Yeah, let's say he take. No, let's do it like this. He absorbs all eight point six of Lance's shots per game. Okay, so let's say he shoots somewhere in the mid forties. Shot forty five last year. That's probably good. Shot forty five. So, and he shot how many shots came from three? Last he year shot? he got. It took him fifteen point six shots to average nineteen point four points. So if you say he takes ten shots, that's like thirteen point three points ish, basically. Oh wow! Yeah, and. So that's not. So you need to find one more shot for him to get to 13 points. That's not too hard. Yeah, now come from Bojan probably, but also the worry is, I mean, Turner's going to need to find five more shots a game. So that's also the kind of. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those shake out. Someone's going to have a big hit in shots. And Vic could have 20 a game, I think, if he wanted to. But the question is, maybe Vic becomes a 15 shots a game guy, but then he becomes a 15 shot a game with 23 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, or 10 assists at least, not 10 rebounds, 10 assists a game. That's yeah. That's possible. I also think Corey Joseph shoots less than seven times a game next year. Yeah, that's probably true. But then does Sabonis shots? I mean, that's all. That's the whole thing. Is Sabonis take more shots? Maybe, maybe well, Sabonis not. will get more shots just by playing more. But we're again talking about the wrong things. <laughs> yeah, I just I mean, that's an important factor in terms of points. It's just how many shots. They also could average. Well, you know, we had a weekly show next week. We could figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, what do they average? One hundred and five points a game. They could average one hundred and seven. Yeah. Next, that's that's an extra shot there too. Right. No, that's how they have to figure it out. But I think I think thirteen to fourteen is the right number for him. And then rebounds and assists, it just depends on who he's playing with at times. Depends who he plays with a lot, all that stuff. Yeah. But I think fourteen, four and four is a safe estimate for him. But remember last year we did predictions and we had like I think we had Vic under twenty a game and we had Turner more like sixteen a game, so we're not really that good at this shit. No, we're just guessing. But I think we're to do better this year than last year. Well, yeah, we, we've seen the team play once, so we now like a whole year, so like we have an idea of what they're actually going to run. Right. Last year, we really had we just assumed they were just going to run like super fast and not give a shit. Um, yeah, so we will be back for our weekly show next Monday, and then I don't know how many weekly shows we'll have after that for a while. I think I think we have said we'll do every week and just yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm reading our schedule wrong. We have a schedule again, everybody. Um, yeah, crazy. It actually planned more than a week ahead. <laughs> Never mind. We'll have a weekly show next week to talk about uh, Ben Moore, and I guess now we can talk about the minutes distribution and shot. Yeah, and I think, and then eventually, when does they report for uh, training camp, whatever it's called? Yeah, media days in the next two weeks, and they report for camp in 19 days, so getting close to that time. Might, might have to go to media day. Uh-huh. I, uh, I will make my attempt to be there. All right. See how that goes. It'll be good. Maybe yeah. we can vote.
I might have to go to media day and be in town maybe. We could squeeze our way in there and uh, I'm sure we can get in. It's we'll good fit. podcast yeah. audio. I'm sure and as the uh, as the the top pacer podcast on the board right now, I think I think we can get in there. <laughs> I have a plan for media day and I'm really excited for it. We'll have to tell me about it when we get off air. I will tell you when we go off the air in a few seconds. All right. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in for the first of many player previews. Uh, for the rest, it will not be me and Adam. We'll probably have a guest on or just do it solo, depending on the player. Um, but it'll be fun. It'll be great. So hope you have a great weekend and see you guys on Monday.